Progressive Rugby League. Jono Duncan here, and you know it's Progressive Rugby League time. And landing his kicks on a dime in the sunshine and treading that fine line is Big Al. G'day, mate. Welcome. Oh, thanks. Lovely to be here. I wish you'd told me you were going to open with like this wonderful string of rhyming cutlass because I, <laughs> I would have worked out some sort of response, but I haven't got one. I feel like I've let the team down already. Uh, wine and dine. Well, don't give them to me. That's just patronizing. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing really well, thanks. Thanks for asking. And you know what? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. That's good to know. Now, I can't help but notice that you're wearing a Toronto Wolfpack jersey, and I, I can't think why that would be the case. Why on earth would you be wearing a Toronto Wolfpack jersey right now? Well, I mean, it is uh, in Australia it's Monday, and I wear Wolfpack jerseys every Monday. But oh, this right. Monday specifically, <laughs> I've got a really good reason, and that is because... As we all, as was blasted across the rugby league media, Twitter sphere, internets uh, across the weekend, the Wolfpack have just attracted almost ten thousand people mm. to their air quotes home opener um, for the the championship, which is just a phenomenal feat. What a brilliant achievement! Like, come on, let's go, let's it, go rugby league. It was uh, bigger than the million pound game crowd they had. It was a record for the Toronto Wolfpack, obviously. Of is, is that a, is that a record for a championship match? Well, there's been a few tweets going around on that uh, I think it's safe to say it's one of the biggest regular season championship games okay. in recent time slash decades yep. so yep. very big crowd basically yeah, wonderful wonderful stuff and the footage that, that we've seen just looks like the like I mean it says a lot about Toronto's uh, the work they've put into their game day mm. experience like it just seems like it's the, a really great day out yeah. for, for everyone and I, I like hats off to the Wolfpack for doing that yeah. and who'd have thought we'd be sitting here at any, at any stage throughout the, our, our lifespans as, as rugby league consumers mm. talking about the second division of the <laughs> English Super League uh, a game involving a team from Toronto outdrawing a NRL Friday night match. Absolutely. Like, that is just Yeah, by a long amazing. way too. By a yeah, long way. Almost double. And just, the, yeah, like you say, the game day experience from the, the whole mascot saga, quote-unquote saga that they had, which is hilarious, <laughs> uh, to, to the day itself. It was brilliant sunshine and it looked like uh, everyone was really getting into it. They had, like, a DJ at the end. It's it's really like a, a party atmosphere there. One thing I really like about Wolfpack games and is that they they've got, they've got like a craft beer element mm. to it, which is which is great. But they keep that like their beer garden stays open after the. That's after. right. And I understand that there's reasons that doesn't happen in the NRL, especially because of licensing laws and and all that sort of stuff. So I get that, but it's just amazing. It's just really good that the Wolfpack are able to offer that as part of their experience. I think. Mm. I really, it's really um, like it's it's like a it's kind of sad, not that sad, but it's disappointing when you're at a game and you get the right you get the great the right result and you're all happy and the energy's vibing, the crowd's vibing and everything. And everyone just has to go home. Just go home like you yeah. can't you can't you can't <laughs> keep the party going or you can't sort of there's nowhere to go collectively and just enjoy what's yeah. just happened. And it's great that the Wolfpack are able to offer that as part of that. I think they do experience. similar at uh, in Perpignan for the Catalan Dragons game. I bet they, they do. They keep it going until oh, the wee hours. Mm. So yeah, anyway, fantastic news now. Why don't we get stuck stuck in with uh, some reflections like we start every show? Let's do what it. What have you got for us today? So, uh, as we all know, love, round after last, my beloved Tigers were dealt a, 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 a smacking. Mm. They were spanked. They were they were taught a footballing lesson by the Parramatta Reels, whacked 51-6. to six. I seem um, to remember. Yeah, so I think that happened. Anyway. So, but, and so everyone's talking, when a team gets belted like that, the first thing you hear about their next game is, don't worry, 
think about the BBF, the bounce back factor. Yeah. And true to form, the Tigers did bounce back. They didn't bounce back with a walloping of their own, but they had mm. a, a pretty dominant, 60 minutes anyway, of dominance yeah. against the Gold Coast Titans, came away with a really great win. Lots of awesome things to take away from that, that performance. I was very happy. Um, even at 14-0 down, you know what? I didn't care because I knew they were going to come around. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. Very good. But nobody ever talks about the opposite of the BBF, which is the CDF, the CDF? come down factor. Come down factor. And this is what this is what I believe the Parramatta Reels ran into when they faced Newcastle last round. So Newcastle, Parramatta just lost. Mm. I wish I had the score in front of me. That's bad podcasting. Like 26-14 or yeah, something. Yeah, and so it wasn't a, a it was not a comprehensive loss. They didn't get handed a footballing lesson or anything like mm. that. But the first twenty minutes of the game, mm. Newcastle raced out to like a twenty nil lead or something like that. Mm. Um, and, and Slug let me know about it too. Oh, I bet he did. Oh, I bet he did. Goodness gracious. Um, and you could see the like, and that, at that point, I mean, Paramatic fought back, and it, it turned out to be a really grinding, gutsy, high energy um, game for, for that point on. Yeah, um, it was great to watch. Uh, but that first twenty minutes, Parramatta, it's like they didn't, they couldn't remember what like what football was like. I think that that yeah. that eighty minutes against the Tigers, where everything was basically handed to them. Yeah, that was just the easiest game they'll ever play. Everything just fell in their lap. The Tigers played terribly. A all, thirty thousand crowd. Yeah, all. it was just all there for them. It was this big Parramatta Eels party, and yeah. then they go to Newcastle where. The 90 percent of the crowd didn't like them. Like they, <laughs> it's right. like they couldn't they couldn't handle that concept. And then yeah. and the team that they were playing was was not intimidated by the crowd. It had like high energy levels and was really determined to win. Yeah. And I think that's um that's just a lesson for all teams that come off a pretty easy victory where mm. they get where they rack up a huge score. It's always got to be prepared for the next week because and I'm pretty sure the come down factor it's a thing. I I think it's a thing. It's a good reminder also as we as human beings we have short memories and we do and I suppose. In a good in a good way, human beings are very adaptable, but we adapt very quickly mm-hmm. to our surrounds. So we get used to you know thirty thousand crowd all cheering for us, and then we get to the next week, and all of a sudden there's twenty thousand cheering against us. We're like, hang on, where's the red <laughs> well, well, guys, What's going on? Yeah, so I, I thought I was, we had a deal. Well, so I, I'm not I'm not one to death ride the eels at all. It was uh, it was just nice to see them come back down to earth, sure. and you know, guys, you got to fight for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, good reflection, Big Al. Thanks very much, mate. Now my reflection. Less is more. Less is more. They're, they're, as you know, Big Al, they're three words. It's a motto that I kind of try to live by. And over the weekend, I reflected on a couple of instances where rugby league in both hemispheres might be on the wrong side of that ledger. Now, in Australia, we just had Anzac Day weekend. It's a great weekend. And there's a lot of commemoration over that weekend, mostly very tastefully done and, and all of it well-intentioned. But at times, I'm sitting there thinking, is that a bit much? I mean, for example, I saw a couple of clubs with commemorative camouflage jerseys on sale and I thought you know for me that's just slightly slightly much there's obviously a fine line between quiet reflection and commemoration on the one hand and glorification on the other so yeah let's play our respects but surely Anzac Day is a time to reflect on how awful war is and how it should be avoided if at all possible at times I think we step over that line with the things like camouflage jerseys and it feels like we're kind of reveling uh, in the Anzac memory the day itself I think is done really well and it's an emotional day for a lot of people but when it stretches over a few days and you see all the me- merchandise and memorabilia, it starts to look less like commemoration and more like, you know, making, making money. Uh, don't get me wrong. Please don't get me wrong. I support all the clubs having a chance to acknowledge the Anzacs. I just think rugby league as a whole could just dial it, dial it back a, a notch in mm-hmm. the future. You know, yes, commemorate and reflect, but resist the urge to glorify. You know, it, it's just, I don't think it's a, a road we as a society should go down. So for me, 
Less is more when it comes to the Anzac weekend. Fair enough. In the Northern Hemisphere last week, I was drooling over the Easter weekend. And I initially thought, wow, two rounds over the one weekend, fabulous. This is wonderful. And I lapped it up. But over the ensuing week, I, I reconsidered. Uh, and I think I started to reconsider when I first saw the hi- highlights of the Easter Monday clash between Toulouse and Halifax. And you know how much I look forward to some Toulouse highlights. Oh, I know. You know, when they come out, I just book the porcelain bus for five to ten minutes <laughs> and generally just marvel at the glorious action. But this time, there was something a bit amiss. And yes, there was endeavour and sparkle from the great Toulouse Olympique, but Halifax were clearly physically shot. Now, we love Toulouse Olympique tries, but when they come too easily, it's just not as satisfying. And as I reflected and, and on it some more and over the ensuing week and read various opinions on the matter, it became obvious that it's just, it's just too much. And in a competition like the championship, especially where some teams are fully professional and some are not, that disparity really comes to the fore. So I've done a complete 180 on this issue and ended up where I really should have started, and that is less is more for the Easter weekend. One round over the Easter weekend is more than enough for both the Super League and the Championship. Uh, so that, that's my reflection. Less is more. Yeah, I would agree. I think I actually found it really surprising that they managed to squeeze two rounds in over such a short time frame. Because yeah. like, uh, with games like, and this is, I'm not you know, casting aspersions on other sports, but games like, uh, like basketball, uh, baseball, cricket, um, even soccer slash mm. football, uh, they're much less physically um, demanding. demanding, just in terms of the impact on the body and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, whereas, which is why you can sort of shove a couple of games inside a week when you need mm. to with those with those sports. Um, but to get anybody, like even amateurs, to play mm. two games um, at that level within the space of you know four or five days or whatever is yeah. is a big ask. And I was I was quite surprised. I did like it though. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a super consumer, so <laughs> I can never get enough. <laughs> but when you think about it, and I read a fair bit about it over the ensuing week, and you know, it, it makes more sense to, in my opinion, to spread one round over that weekend because the the, the problem with the Easter weekend is that it, it affects the following weekend as well. We saw some more fifty plus score yeah. lines. Yeah, you're that, right. I did not think of that. And that Monday game, it really becomes the haves versus the have-nots. So that the haves with the depth they can cover for injuries. And the have-nots, like we see, we saw with the Toulouse-Halifax, for instance, or other Super League games, the have-nots just get slaughtered. And they, yeah, basically, yeah. they basically give it up. And they're like, we'll, we'll do our best for the, for the next weekend just to patch everyone up and get going again. Mm-hmm. So, look, I, I've gone 180 on that one. Yeah, Less is cool. more when it comes to the Easter weekend. Love it. So, there are reflections. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. All right, next, t- next up, you know what it means... What does it mean? It's time for the mailbag, mailbag, my friend. It's a very exciting time. Now, the first up, this didn't actually come through the mailbag, but it came to me uh, from personal correspondence from a friend of mine, Jason, or Jace, as he likes to be called. He gets a bit funny when I call him Jason. Just like when I call you Alistair. You know, you, you make a weird face. It's all a bit... All <laughs> well, bit I haven't officially like given you permission to call me that. Yeah, so. right. Maybe, yeah, maybe the same with Jace. Now, he was catching up in the last few episodes, and he picked me up on something that I said a few weeks ago. I was, as is my want, drooling over Toulouse Olympique and their style of play and said there is no other lower division rugby league team that plays with such creativity and endeavour. And I made a point that it's certainly the case in Australia as most teams are feeder clubs who play a wannabe NRL style. But Jay said to me, hey, what about the Walker brothers that live for Jets? Oh, oh my God. And I said, oh, of course. I said, of course. How dare we? Oh, I know. Oh, poor form. <laughs> These guys. Oh, really, I'm really disappointed. I know. Ben and yeah. Shane, not uh, not Chris, but Ben and Shane, uh, they really shook up the, 
the Queensland Cup over the last few years. They threw away convention, you know, the short kickoffs and offloading the possession-based game. So apologies. I was being extremely Sydney-centric there. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't even think about brothers in Queensland. And that's, that's every single time a coaching gig comes up in the NRL, yeah. everyone always says, what about the Walker yeah. brothers? And this is what the NRL needs. The yes. NRL needs something to change it up, someone, someone to go in there with it to revolutionize the way they coach and the way a team plays. Yep. And we're always sitting there talking like, maybe it's going to happen, maybe it's going to happen. How could we have forgotten? I know. Apologies. <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, they've won a comp as well yeah. uh, in the last over the last few years, so... They are winners as well. Dave Matthews from Sydney. He also got in touch and shared a great tweet from Ashton Sims upon the release of the Toronto Wolfpack beer cans. I think it's from a company called Henderson Brewing or something like that, who have different uh, players on each can. And Ashton wrote a pretty funny tweet. He said, Dear Dad, whenever I asked you how I looked, you always said, I've seen better heads on a mug of beer. Well, the joke's on you, old fella. Can someone in Jerangong please tell Pete Sims his little boy has finally made the big time? So thank you for sharing that, I saw that on Twitter. I liked it. That was very funny. It's heartwarming. Now, we also heard from Declan Foy from Ireland. I think he's from County Dublin. I think most of our um, Irish listeners are from County Dublin, but confirm if I'm wrong, Declan. He said, another great episode. Thank you. Uh, Great to hear Adebisi on his vision and potential, and it could finally deliver the international game we've all dreamed of. Yes, that's right. Um, We had Adebisi from... Nigeria Rugby League last week. And yeah, it was great to hear Adi's ambition for the game in Nigeria. He's aiming big. He's got a 10,000-seat stadium. He's got TV coverage all over Africa. Um, obviously going to be uh, the Middle East and Africa Championship in October in Lagos. Four teams, Morocco, Ghana, Cameroon, and Nigeria. So it's going to be a fantastic occasion. So it was nice to have Adi on. Like I said last week, he was calling us from hospital. So really committed to the cause so thank you that's pure rugby league spirit yeah that's right and thanks for listening Declan and Ian East from Leeds or Ian from East Leeds he thanked us for our quote brilliantly detailed response to my query about the affordability of rugby league in the UK and down under compared to other sports and to the relative wages yes no problem Ian now look we found it's if you weren't listening we found it's generally a little more affordable to see rugby league in Sydney compared to the UK when you look at wages but like we said last week it's complicated and the NRL clubs have the luxury of being courted to play at various grounds and getting incentives to play there while they also get a massive payout from the NRL's rights deal. So I just had a look at this during the week. The NRL gets roughly $400 million, uh, from media rights each year, so it's a $2 billion deal over five years, I believe. And the Super League and Championship gets together £40 million, pounds, which is equivalent to $72 million a year. Um, wow. each year so that's almost six times more money getting poured into rugby league in Australia compared to the UK based on media rights so you can see why the UK clubs need to rely more on their gate taking yeah I, I didn't know the I mean we always knew that the NRL had more money than Super League but yeah. when you put it just out like that that's that's a huge gap it is and isn't I, it? I, we spoke about it last week but it just makes the importance of the next rights deal for the Super League mm. like really important um, like it could be the you know, the continuation of the death of the sport, really, depending on... on yeah, what I mean, get. let's not get too negative. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a great product and there are great things happening. Uh, but yeah, there is a worry that they'll get less than they currently have, which would be like a, a strange phenomenon. There's not many sports that go where their media rights go up and they get less than they did last time. I can't remember the last time that happened. Mm. So, I mean, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. Yep. But yeah, the gap is getting bigger, and which means the salary cap gets uh, the yeah. disparity gets bigger, which means more of the English talent comes to Australia, which weakens the English competition. So, yep. you know, it's a it's a bit of a problem. We we have our fingers crossed. 
So that's the, the mailbag for this week. Another right. fantastic mailbag. And let me say, ladies and gentlemen, you can get in touch with us via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and at ProgressiveRL at Outlook.com. Wonderful. Cool. Shall we? Let's do it. It's rugby gal and me. We like what we see when it comes to French-Canadian rugby thirteens. All right. What you got for us, Big? So, look, I don't really want to bring the mood of the show down. There's not really much to talk about when it comes to, uh, I mean, out, outside in the Super League, there's not really much to talk about when it comes to Sweet Baby Action. Mm. Um, so much so that I'd actually like to gloss over one of the games. <laughs> so, I mean, Which one I, are you glossing over? Well, I think I'm going to decide to gloss over Catalan okay. because uh, Catalan have been handed a, what, what I'll call a smacking by St. Helens, uh, 50 to 14. Mm. And really, there was not much to highlight here other than the Dragons, were their defense at least, was poor. And poor, was, poor, poor. It was disappointing because the, the Saints had a couple of big guns out. They had Lachlan Coot out and James Rawby. He was out as well. So, yeah, that was pretty disappointing from Catalan. But then again, like we said, it's the Easter period. And if you're not getting 50 put on you, then are you even trying? You know, there's a lot of teams getting 50 and 60 put on them. So I don't, I, like, <laughs> I, I don't really understand the logic you, you, you put out there. So. Either, yeah. <laughs> All right, but still. Um, disappointing loss. Di- disappointing loss for the Dragons. So we'll go on to the Broncos. And, oh, yes, they've also suffered a disappointing loss. So mm. This is officially, I think, their sixth loss in a row, mm. uh, going down 30 to 10 to Salford. So um, this was, yeah, like a, another tough loss. Uh, it was at home. Things are not really looking um, particularly good for the London Broncos. Um, so I'm trying to look for some positives in there. Uh, so watching back the highlights, mm. uh, it was 24-0 at halftime. Okay. Uh, which means the final score of 30-10 to 10 at full time means the Broncos actually won the second half 10-6. Wow. So really the scoreline was one half all. Yeah, exactly. So it was a draw. It was a draw. Perfect <laughs> draw. Um, and, you know, Danny Ward, the Broncos coach in the press conference, said, so kind of said the same thing, but basically he, he says... I don't know why we wait until we're 18 nil down before we play for real. Yes. Um, and it's worrying that teams can come there and put that kind of score on, on the Broncos at home. Mm. And that actually, Jono, got me thinking about something that you said a couple of weeks ago when you were talking about the difference uh, on the radio between the atmosphere you had uh, with the Broncos and Catalans game mm. versus what you heard for the whole derby. Oh, man. And uh, just, I say derby, <laughs> like a hat. <laughs> <laughs> And it just it got me thinking, did the Broncos actually have... They've got a relatively small supporter base. We already mm. know that. Looking at their grounds, from what I can see, I've, 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 I'm not, I've not been able to see a full Broncos match live. Mm. But from what I can see, it looks like they've just got a ground inside a tennis complex, basically. <laughs> Does that rob them of any chance of any kind of home ground advantage? Well, I mean, you could argue the other way. I mean, I think the capacity at Trail Finders is about 4,000. So you'd think if you get a 4,000-strong crowd really up close and personal... You know, very parochial. Mm. It's, you know, close quarters inside the tennis court, as you say. So it's very intimate. So you, you, that could work the other way. You can hear people, like, talking to you directly from the sideline. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, but you're I mean, right. I mean, you'd prefer, you prefer, like, a 10,000 seat. Yeah, and, and what, uh, what kind of crowds... Do we know what kind of crowds the Broncos are getting? They're getting about 2,000, 2,500. That's not that bad. If the capacity is four. Uh, but from what... from Again, looking at those highlights reels, from what I can hear, they're not, they're not saying much. No, that's right. <laughs> so, Broncos fans, get a bit... Get louder. Let's well, I mean, get, it, it would help if the Broncos were playing a bit better, obviously. Yeah. Well, they're playing well. They're just getting beaten. Well, one half each, you're right. Exactly. One half. It was a, 
It was a draw. So what does this mean for the ladder? Uh, so Catalan, sixth place. So we're going to give them zero points mm-hmm. when it comes to yes. what we're doing. So, so compared to the fifth place, they are equal. Equal. However, they've got a negative 65 points differential they need to overcome. Yep. Uh, and the... I think um, fourth and fifth are also on equal equal points with them, uh, and they're on like plus twenty and plus twenty four. I think yeah. so. They've really got about ninety points before they can even start thinking about actually yeah. getting in the positive. Start to win some games. Yeah, got to start winning. Got to start winning, fellas. Um, and uh, the Broncos, yeah, last place, twelve points officially sitting in twelfth on six points or zero. Uh, when it comes to the relegation zone. So, well, minus two really because they're now two points behind. You know what? We never place. actually discussed. When you're in the relegation zone, yeah. what is see? I, I took it as the relegation zone is is ground zero. Is ground zero, yeah. And you want to be positive to that, um, but you know things are pretty bad for them, so we can even put them in the negatives. It looks like they're well, going to save for a while. They're two points behind the eleventh place, so let's call it minus two. Minus two. All right, we'll call it minus two. Um, it, and look, it is looking difficult for London. It's at that situation where they've lost six or seven in a row, and you're wondering where is this next win coming from? It's actually very hard. To work out, they've got Wigan this weekend. Have yeah. started to win a few games, and yeah, I mean, it's almost like you need we need a miracle. Do we need a miracle? We do we have to start praying, or is it too early to start praying? Oh, well, I mean, you could you could do whatever you want, I suppose. <laughs> um, but you know, hope hope that things turn. I guess that's all we can okay, do. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So what happened in the championship, friend? All right, so much better news in the championship oh. as as there often is. So which we discussed already at the top of the show. Um, the Wolfpack have just had a fantastic uh, open to their official first home game at Lamport Stadium. Yeah. So smashing David Brent's own Swinton Lions fifty-two to ten. Right. Uh, I mean, game-wise, uh, I saw it as a typical Wolfpack positive win. I suppose mm. lots of, lots of tries, and that's that's great. Uh, defense, you know, I, we're always looking for the Wolfpack to be tested a bit more. Mm. Um, but whatever, that's fine. But of course, the highlight was the crowd. Oh, absolutely. About, so. I think, as you say, I think there was never any doubt about who would win this game. The questions were, what would the crowd be? And how much would Toronto win by? It's yeah. going to be, are they going to win by 40, 50 or 60? They won by 40, which is about par, you'd think, against a team like Swinton, who try hard, but they're part-timers and yep. just doing their best coming from uh, over to Toronto on short notice. Yep. So, I mean, you'd, you, I, I watched the game online this morning and... You know, I still have the same questions that I've had over the last year about Toronto's style of play. I mean, obviously, there was never any doubt about this game. They're bigger, they're stronger, and they were just running over the top of Swinton. But I just wonder where the spark is going to come from in the halves um, when the game's online. They've got Ricky Latelli on the flanks or in the centres, and he's dynamite. But, um, yeah, I just had the same questions that I had last year about their style of play. In those tight games at the end of the year, I didn't see anything from today that has changed my mind. Although, to be fair, they weren't really tested. And I think next week's game against Bradford, who've won, I think, six or seven in a row themselves, that's going to be a real test for them. So maybe we'll learn we'll learn more next week, I think. Mm, it's not surprising that a, a team with Josh McCrone, a halfback, uh, were being questioned about their creativity or their spark. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> he's a very he's, he's a solid... He's, yeah. he's a very solid... He's a game keeper, not a game maker. That's yeah, what I would say. He, he's, he's solid and he's a good runner of the ball. Uh, he's trying things. I saw a couple of switches of play, which are, which are positive to see. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the tries are just from just overcoming just Swinton through brute force yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So. so we also spoke briefly about the unveiling of the new mascot. That's right. Should we spend some time talking about that? Absolutely. His name is Gordo. Gordo, that's right. <laughs> Gordo is a, a flanny-wearing, saxophone-playing wolf. <laughs> 
which means they fucked him straight out of 1992, it seems. <laughs> I uh, thought it was more like Prince Purple Rain era, sort of that sort of hair coming down. Curly well, I, I saw it. Oh, I didn't pay attention to the hair, but he's wearing a Kurt Cobain flannel. Oh, yeah, like, He right. definitely is. And I don't know where the saxophone comes in. Like, I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. I just think it's, a, it's an interesting yeah. direction for the wolf to go in. Yeah. Um, but so Gordo's had to come in to place uh, Jefferson because mm. Jefferson was stolen. That's right. Jefferson was stolen last year. But um, then, of course, at halftime... Who shows up? Jefferson. <laughs> Jefferson oh, and the crowd just went crazy. Which makes you wonder, do you think the whole, like, Jefferson being stolen was a ruse? Oh. Do you reckon it was just a really a long, you a cannot long be marketing serious. campaign? You cannot be <laughs> like, serious. The Wolfpack, they're breaking new ground all over the place. So it wouldn't surprise me if they had the vision to set up the missing mascot in October last year, yeah, replace him with a saxophone-playing <laughs> version, and then have him come back at halftime. Oh, the Wolfpack at the best. Wolfpack. All right, so let's move on. So we'll go, um, we'll go talk about Toulouse for a moment. So they've scored a narrow victory over the York City Knights. Mm. Now, this is uh, this was a really, really tight game that finished... 30-26. Uh, 30-26. Um, and just going through the way... It was a real, like, tit-for-tat affair. It wasn't... Um, it was a really solid game, I thought, for, from both teams. Mm. So it yep. was like a York were four, were four nil, then Toulouse six four, uh, York six ten. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a long range try in there. Crossfield kick from Toulouse twenty four sixteen. York had a couple of tries to get it back to twenty six twenty. And then I saw what I thought was a rather bizarre passage of play right mm. towards the end, which is something you would probably only see in the championship. Right. So there was a barge over try, and we'll call it a barge over try for Toulouse to get it to thirty to twenty six, mm-hmm. uh, which means the game had seemingly been wrapped up and won. Then there are, um, you know, a weird twist uh, in the 79th minute. York put in a clearing kick, which was also kind of weird because mm. the game was basically over. Why would you put in a clearing <laughs> kick? Anyway, Toulouse gathered, ran into the York defence, uh, and then uh, you'd think just to run the clock out, like a couple <laughs> yeah. of tackles, clock goes down, and then York do a one-on-one strip. Oh no! And it's like out of nowhere, strip the ball and a one-on-one tackle, uh, and then they then they put in a grubber, which it, itself was really weird. Then Toulouse regain possession, make a huge break from their 20, get over the halfway line, and again Toulouse have won the game at this point. The clock's run out all they need to do is kill the ball and they start chucking it around <laughs> four points up and they start uh, six points up and they start they did that for up. us they did that for us <laughs> yeah what i mean that's, again that, that's why that's why we love to lose but you wouldn't like an nrl coach would have died i that's think right, yeah. <laughs> seen that going on but I anyway think, i think to lose coach he came in just applauding them standing <laughs> yeah. ovation when the players came in wow. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so a good war, a good win for the boys in blue. A high quality game, apparently. I listened a bit uh, to the match on BBC York, and the commentator there said it was a great advertisement for Championship Rugby League. And oh, looking at the highlights, it looked like it too. It looked like yeah. a great occasion. Yeah, good so stuff. fantastic. Uh, so looking at the ladder, we've got number one Toronto twenty two, number two Toulouse on eighteen, mm. uh, and then who cares under that? Because that's that's what we're <laughs> we're pumping for. Well, I mean. <laughs> What about uh, Sheffield? We were talking about Sheffield last week, how well they're doing. They, they had a shock loss to your Dewsbury. So there you go. Love the Dewsbury. I've got a... How have I let Juice News like, fall, off the, fall off the map? Don't like worry, that? Dewsbury, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll bring it back. 25-24 with a Liam Finn field goal. That's right. Not Liam Finn, the musician. Well, he might be. But uh, Liam Finn, obviously, Neil Finn's son. But anyway, that's a joke that went... <laughs> local jokes get your local work yeah that's right uh, well back to the Super League now Leeds who have been the funniest team in Super League so far this year uh, for the way that they let Leeds slip now they're up 28-0 at half time and against Hull KR uh, Tim Sheens is men you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it Hull KR came back to 28-24 and Leeds just hung out just hung on I'll tell you what as we said Last time, Leeds, if you want to be the funniest team in rugby league like Canberra last year, you're going to have to lose those games. I mean, it's funny enough to almost let a lead slip, but 
it's funnier if you lose. Yeah. I, I, I must say, those games where a team just gets out to a big lead and then the other team starts chasing them down, oh. I find that amazing. Those final like five to ten minutes of those games, regardless of the result, just the, the tension in the air. I like know. You've got this hungry team that's coming back and it's all about momentum pie which we've spoken about yeah. so they've eaten all the momentum pie oh, yeah. all the belief pie and the other team it's like they can't understand what's going on and like just, like reality is just breaking yeah. down around them and there's like there's sheer panic mm-hmm. and you've got to you know you, there's moments like that where you need like a leader in the team to settle the, settle the boys down and all that <laughs> sort of stuff but I love that like the tension like you, you can you can taste it in the yeah. air it's it's, uh, it's, no, it's uh, reasons why we love this game we love this game now, in the, the Women's Super League over the weekend, our team, York City Knights, they had another tough defeat, 62-0, I think it was against Wigan. So mm-hmm. uh, they're struggling a bit, but I think they can come back. There's obviously some, some haves and have-nots in the Women's Super League. Mm. So uh, it seems to me that Wigan, and, uh, alongside Castleford, yeah. at least based on that one last result, <laughs> are one of the teams to beat. Yeah, I think Wigan, Castleford, St. Helens, they're probably up there. Leeds as well. Although Castleford beat Leeds 27-0 uh, over the weekend. So Castleford are way ahead of the game. Uh, and doing very well so far. Now, did you know that uh, Courtney Hill, the Leeds captain, this is thanks to Ian East from Leeds, or Ian from East Leeds, she used to play big bash cricket. Uh, wow. she's, she's an Australian, uh, played rugby league up until the age of 12. This is a, an article that uh, from The Guardian that Ian uh, sent to us. And she had to stop playing rugby league in, in Queensland, country Queensland, uh, at the age of 12 because there was nowhere to play. So she started playing cricket. She made the big bash. She had an ankle injury. She gave up cricket, had to give it up, and then uh, moved to England for a partner. And then heard that uh, Leeds were starting <laughs> Leeds women's teams. Yeah, she says, I haven't played rugby league in twenty years, but how about it? Signed her up. She still had all the skills, had a lot of the toughness, and now she's the captain. So wow, great, Courtney Hill. Congratulations. And just on the women's Super League. So you know, in the NRLW, which will kick mm-hmm. off later in the year. Uh, last year there was one coach out of the four that were female. So twenty five percent. In Super League, three out of the eight are female. 38%. So there you go. Super League leading the way. Leading the way again in the Women's Super League. Three out of eight are women's coaches. So that's, uh, you know, good luck again next week to York City Knights. But it uh, sounds like a great competition. There's a few real competitive teams there. Yeah. Thank mm. you, Bigar. So after this, it means we, we finish off the show with our... Progressive moments of the week. Which uh, I, I've started to call the uh, prog mom. The prog moms. No, no, prog moms. Oh, prog, prog moms. What did I say? Prog moms. Prog moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old prog mom. It's about shortening things, making it more yes. snackable that way. Yeah, absolutely. What do you got for us? Uh, so, uh, well, we're always, we're all excited about Catalans venturing into uh, the new camp to mm. play their game against Wigan, which is going to be fantastic. So... I heard through the grapevine, uh, the grapevine called Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, that ticket sales, according to, to the president of uh, Catalans, are close to 30,000 already. Um, and that is before Barcelona uh, put in any effort towards marketing, which they will, I think, about two weeks out. So it's on the, what, the 18th of May, I think. So mm. uh, maybe four or five days from now, we might see a, a concerted effort from uh, FC Barcelona to start pushing mm. some of their fans there. But still, 30,000 already that's great so i would think so i mean bring it on i wish I we mean, could get there the thing about that is it's in a massive stadium i think that it holds ninety thousand people so i mean you'd love you'd love it at least half full mm. like, that's when you start getting a real atmosphere for that sort of crowd so i think it's crossed they can get up to i don't know 40 maybe yeah. 45 it, it, you make a good point like it's kind of like the the denver test so mm. there was a i think there was twenty five thousand or something people yeah, at that like but that. because the stadium was sixty thousand, mm. it looked less and therefore was, was deemed a failure i mean like it was actually a failure i suppose i think that's um, what but, <laughs> but it looked it, it just makes it look less uh less successful than it actually is but i think 
uh, one third full uh, for where we currently are is is good signs. Yeah, I mean, just fingers crossed that it's a, a nice day. It'll be good also if Wigan can get a run on, or both teams win a few in a row, just so it builds up the hype for the mm. game. So, you know, I think it's going to be a wonderful occasion. If only, if there's two places I'd like to be this coming month, it's be at Lamport Stadium and at the new camp to see Toronto Wolfpack and, and chug a beer, <laughs> not chug a beer, but, you know, sip on a, a nice craft beer. Yeah, yeah. Shake, uh, shake Gordo's hand. Shake Gordo's hand, give a high five to Jefferson, and then hot foot it to the new camp and uh, just wallow uh, in the glory of the new camp with so Catalan. if anybody wants to know what John or I, John or I would do uh, if we won Lotto, <laughs> that's a pretty good snapshot. That's right. Hey, you know what? While we're on that, last night I, was, I went to see a movie, and then after the movie I was waiting at the bus stop. But the bus wasn't coming for, for 20 minutes. Ooh, what do you so, do? What so do you do in those situations? They're awful. 20 agonizing minutes. I went into the bookstore across oh, the good, road. good, good. And I was in the travel section. And as you listeners know, uh, Big Al and I are traveling to the south of France in July. And we're going to catch a Toulouse Olympic game. And we would catch a Catalans game, but there isn't one. There isn't one on while we're there. So it's a bit of a shame. Anyway, I went to the travel section. And there was a lonely planet. It said, best of France. I'm like, well, we're going to France. <laughs> I'm just going to open this up and see what we should do in Toulouse or Perpignan or Carcassonne. That's where we're going. Yeah. And you wouldn't believe it. What? In this lonely planet, none of those places were featured. No Toulouse, no Carcassonne, no Perpignan <laughs> in the best of France oh, well, lonely planet. Can you believe well, it? Well, the lonely planet, no. Uh, give me a break. They're, after, yeah, they're, they're going too broad. Don't worry about there it. There was a, I don't know, a place I hadn't really heard of called Paris. Nah. Um, I don't know, Bordeaux. You know, Marseille, these places, you know, uh, I've heard the names, but whatever. So I say Lonely Planet, shame on you. What's wrong with Toulouse? <laughs> we're, we're, so does that mean we're going off the beaten track? It does. Go? It means we're, we're forging a new path. So it's, it's like with every travel destination, you've got to get there before the masses get there. That's right. right. So like, and then, you know, everyone, at least from a, an Australian point of view, everyone's talking about, um, well, until last week, Sri Lanka was the big holiday, the up and coming mm. holiday destination in Cuba. You've got to get there before like it gets overrun with crappy tourists. Yeah. Uh, which is what we're doing. We're getting to Toulouse. We're getting to Carcassonne. Carcassonne, I think, is already highly, yeah, highly no. <laughs> tourist, uh, like tourist-sized anyway. Yeah. Um, but we're getting there, and we're getting there before anybody else. That's so. right. So the next edition of Highlights of France, Lonely Planet, will probably be led by Perpignan, yeah. Carcassonne, <laughs> Toulouse, and then some place called Paris later on. Uh, my moment of the week is from the Albania Rugby League. This is an article I read uh, from Stuart McLennan who I think is involved in the Greek Rugby League. Now, it was a really good article, really well, well written. And the Albania Rugby League are uh, really doing great things and really enthusiastic about rugby league and growing the sport in Albania. They've got a, a team as part of the Balkan Super League and they recently switched over from Rugby Union. And there was a quote in there from the article that said, and you know what, we haven't even thought about playing Rugby Union since. <laughs> <laughs> How good's that? I love it. So they're, they're playing their trade in the Balkan Super League. They're hoping to get another team from Albania as well. So, you know, go Albania Rugby yeah, League. Yeah, let's go. And I think uh, Phil Brown from Mascot Brown, he, when he was trolling you about the, uh, the hipster off later in the year, he was wearing an Albania Rugby League t- uh, shirt and it looks fantastic. Yeah, but that, like surely of all the, the items he could wear, the Albania jersey should be struck from the like eligibility because it's got a big Mascot Browns logo right in the front. <laughs> they sponsor the team. It doesn't count. Not fair. All right, all right. Um, and speaking of Mascot Browns and the Albania Rugby League, I think the Albania Rugby League, and maybe this is just too nice a fairy tale for it to mm. be real, 
started because Steve Mascord created a Twitter account for Albania Rugby League as he, cause as he was going through creating uh, Twitter accounts for the Rugby League of that country alphabetically. And yeah. I think he got up to C or something. <laughs> and somehow they started becoming real. Yeah. So, really. like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they'd already converted from Rugby Union to Rugby League prior to him making the Twitter mm. account. But he's, I think he's since handed the Twitter account over to them. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, like, Bangladesh Rugby League is another one he wow. created. Oh, yeah, um, I'm seeing, like, Bahamas and Barbados. Yeah, there's just all... Of... Is that him, is it? <laughs> That's him. He's... Oh, I think he got as far as C and then and then stopped. But I, I genuinely think the Albania... He must have had... He could have uh, had a hand yeah. in, in, in getting them... They probably uh, saw that and just went, oh, why not? Yeah, let's, let's give, give it a go. This bloke's made a Twitter account for us. Let's uh, <laughs> give it a red hot crack. And look at that. <laughs> now they're in the Super League. Well, Balkan Super League. Balkan Super League, Absolutely. What a great competition. Now, yeah. uh, I think I think that's about all we have time for. Is that it? Are we done? I think so. Right, okay. Fantastic. Thanks mm-hmm. for your company, Big Al. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thanks for having me again. Oh, absolute pleasure. Oh, I think next week we'll have the slug back. Oh, I hope so. Fantastic for all slug fans out there. So, until then, may I say, see ya. See ya. In Rugby League, we trust.